0: You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Well, good morning. It's good to see you guys here today. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Luke chapter 16. We'll be there in just a minute. Man, this is a time of year where everybody really begins to kind of consider getting back in shape again, you know, especially with this warm weather on the way to the church this morning. Hundreds of people, it seemed like, out running more than usual, and uh, gym memberships are spiking, and uh, athletic apparel and clothing are spiking. Uh, everybody seems to be getting ready, you know, getting their beach body ready for spring break, right? So so what's cool about technology is that it can really help us track our physical health. I don't know if you've seen this or if you're doing this, but download the right app, have the right phone, the right, you know, watch or whatever, and you can find out how many steps you've walked today. You can, you know, find out what your heart rate is. It, it's really endless and growing. And, and so it's, it's pretty easy for us to understand what our physical shape is today. Um, but what about our financial shape? Most Americans have over $8,000 in credit card debt. They live paycheck to paycheck. And if they were honest, feel like they're holding on to a thread, normally, uh, as a result, I, I try to do at least once a year a series where we talk about our finances and and, and what God wants us to do, how God wants us to use our resources. And, uh, you know, so I know that there's a group in the room who, you know, you're handling your resources well. You're you're doing great at it. I hope this series encourages you and helps you teach other people. Uh, but you've got to realize there is a an, another group of people in the room who are in debt, who aren't giving to God's church and Financially speaking, they're, they're way out of shape. And I truly believe that where we put our money is a direct indicator to who or what we worship. So I want us to, to, to be challenged today and throughout this series to look to Jesus and allow him to reshape our attitude towards our resources, to reshape our attitude towards our money and begin to become a healthy, in shape, financial manager of the resources that God has given to us. And so we wanna uh, look today first and foremost at our own uh, financial health, right? So we can go to the doctor, we can get our physical shape pretty easily, But what about our financial shape? So there was a Business Insider article that listed four key signs that can tell us pretty quickly if we are in good shape financially, okay? So let me run through them. The first one is this. Do you have an emergency fund? So do you have money set aside so when uh, July comes and your air conditioner breaks and you, you know, have a $3,000 bill or whatever, can you pay that? When the car breaks down, when, when you lose your job, do you have a nest egg set aside so that when those things happen, you can uh, provide for yourself? Experts say that we need at least three months uh, in savings just for those types of scenarios. So do you have that? Think about it. The second thing I would ask in the article, it asked, what's your debt to income ratio? And so we're gonna get a little technical and financial here for a minute, but hang with me. Like, how, I, the first thing you wanna do is is determine what your monthly debt is. So you wanna add up you know, what your house payment is, if you have car payments, if you have credit card debt, if you have school loans, all that debt that you have to pay every month Write that number down, add it up, and then divide by your monthly gross income, and then that's going to give you your percentage. And so we need to know what that number is. If it's above 25%, experts say, we're venturing into unhealthy waters. And so that's a great number for you to go home and to figure out today. The next number is your credit score. Now, you probably see commercials all the time about this, and there's you know, a number of ways for you to determine what this is. You can you know, go to your bank or go online, whatever it is. That's a number that's gonna be between 300 and 850, and it's basically your grade for your financial shape. And so you wanna know what that number is, and if it's below 600, man, you've got some work to do. And then, number four in the article is what percentage are you saving for retirement? Now, this is a hard one because a recent survey showed that 64% of workers feel behind in their retirement savings. And I think many of us could relate, man, I'm not saving enough for retirement. But, but this is another way that we can determine what our financial shape is. And so if you're 30 years or older today, you should be working on 7 to 10% saving every single year. Year. And so, so what shape are you in financially? What's your emergency fund look like? What's your debt to income ratio look like? What's your credit score? What's your retirement look like? Now, this is what this was the end of the Business Insider article because this is how the world measures our financial shape. But if you are a follower of Christ today, you are well aware that the Bible speaks a lot about finances. In fact, the Bible talks about being a steward more than it talks about heaven and hell combined. And so uh, while these keys aren't necessarily bad, they aren't really showing us the full picture of what our financial shape looks like. And so as a follower of Christ, I would add one more uh, test, one more question. And that is this, number five is what percentage are you giving to God's church? That's an important number to know. If we go through these and you're like, oh, I'm just not a numbers person. I don't really, you know, get into all that. I would challenge you that if you want to be a, a wise manager of the resources God has given you, that you know these numbers. You, you know how much you gave to God's church. We make it really easy. Every year, we send you a document that says, hey, you you gave this amount of money. And a lot of people use that to get tax uh, credit. And that is great. That's a great thing our government does. But at the end of the day, what that number tells us is way more than just a percentage. I believe it tells us a lot about our spiritual health. Now, here's the reality. I'm five minutes in and some of you are just stressed to the max. You're like, dang it, why'd we come today? right? I mean, you're nervous. You're like, I know we're in credit card debt. I know, I know we want out. We want to get over it. And you're struggling. And and I know this is stressful, but my hope and my prayer is that you allow that uncomfortableness to really grasp your heart because it is time for you to take ownership of your resources. It's time for you to own your mistakes and your problems and to do something about it in a healthy way so that you can, in fact, become a healthy, in-shape financial steward, the resources God has given to you. So my ultimate goal for this series is that, yes, you would reshape your attitude towards money, but ultimately leading to this, that you would be an intentional manager of God's resources. This is important. Yeah I think it's 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 important because of the statistics that are out there. I mean I mentioned $8,000 in credit card debt. That's normal for Americans. The uh, the average American family has 43% or I'm sorry, 43% of Americans uh, spend more than they make every single year. Personal bankruptcies have doubled in the past decade and, and on average George Bonner says that Christians give 2% of their income to God's church. So we have a problem it's a it's a big problem we've bought into an american materialistic culture and mindset and we've fallen for these things and it's led to depression it's led to a lot of uh, a stress in our life but ultimately it hinders our spiritual growth and listen as we spend time looking at god's word i, I want you to realize like the motivation from the very beginning of the series like when you, if you decide from this series that you're going to start giving and you're going to start giving to God's church and change some things, it's, it's not going to raise my salary. I'm not going to go buy a jet plane. Um, God is not after your money. I'm not after your money. When we look at the scripture, we see that God is, is a giver. He, he is the generous giver here. So he's not saying, follow me so I can take everything. He, God doesn't want to take your money. He doesn't want your money to take you. And, and, and so that's the idea that, that we want to uh, wrap our mind around, but I'm well aware of the perception out there. And I know some of you are here, maybe you're new to church or new to this church, and, and and the perception out there is church and money, and oh man, I can't believe this guy's talking about this. And I read a CNN article recently, it was entitled, How Passing the Plate Becomes the Sunday Morning Stick-Up. <laughs> And in the article, it was how pastors, you know, manipulate their people, misinterpret scripture to guilt people into giving money to the church so that they can go and live a luxurious, lavish lifestyle, Uh, buying planes and doing all this. And the reality is, is in America, I mean, it is a problem. I'll be honest. There are a lot of pastors who would preach what we would call a health and wealth gospel. You know, sow your seed, give this money, and, and God's gonna give you that new job. He's gonna give you favor. He's gonna do this and do this. And and you're gonna see as we move through this that, that that's not the theology that we uh, hold to at Foothills Church. We, we don't think that's a biblical way to look at it. We do believe that when we are faithful in giving, God blesses us, um, but we're gonna look at what that blessing looks like today and over the next few weeks. And so I want us to know, and I want you to be very clear that I, my goal is that you would become an intentional manager of God's resources. So that one day when you stand before him in court and he asks, what did you do with what I gave you? You're hopefully going to be able to show a lifestyle of generosity and good stewardship. And he can reply, well done, good and faithful servant. That's our goal in this series. And so let's turn to the word of God. I believe in everything that I teach. I practice what I'm going to teach through this series, and I hope that the Lord will show you a better way for you as well. So by the way, when we talk about um, stewardship, we're, we're talking about managing our time, our talents, and our money, okay, our treasure. So as a steward, we, we wanna, I want us to really understand that it's, 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 it's a time issue. You know How much of your time are you dedicating and, and, and incorporating a lifestyle that would honor God? You know, what, what, what about your talent? You know, we use our talents for work. We use our talents to make money. What, what are we using our talents for, and how are we incorporating the gospel in our talents? And then, of course, our money. Like what, what are we doing with our money? So all of these things is what I really want us to focus on today, on day one. So let's look at verse 1, chapter 16. Jesus is saying this to his disciples. And he says, there was a rich man who had a manager and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. So started the story. Remember a parable is a story that Jesus tells that has a point. So Jesus starts the story by saying there was a rich guy and he he had hired a manager to take care of his wealth. And it comes to his attention that he was mismanaging the money. He was wasting his possessions. So verse two, And he called him and he said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management for you can no longer be manager. So you're handling my resources bad. He calls him in, he fires him. And then he says, I want you to turn in all of your accounting of how you've been handling my money. Verse three, and the manager said to himself, what should I do? Since my master is taking the management away from me, I'm not strong enough to dig. I'm ashamed to beg. In other words, I'm losing my job here. What am I going to do? I can't get another job. This is all I know how to do. So he's, he's fearing he's going to be eventually homeless. And he says, I've decided what to do so that when I'm removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. All right, I'm about to lose my job. I'm probably going to become homeless at some point. How am I going to get on a couch in somebody's basement? <laughs> and so he comes up with a plan, verse five. So summoning his master's debtors, One by one, he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. So he cuts it in half, verse seven. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said, take your bill and write 80. So he gives him 20% discount. And now you would think, wait a minute. Oh man, the master's gonna come back and the master is going to be enraged. He's gonna be so angry. But look what happens in verse eight. But then the master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world, Jesus says, are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. Jesus' general point here is, hey, people that don't follow God and are in business, they're, you know typically they, 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 they tend to be more shrewd than those that follow God. Interesting that Jesus would say that. And then at verse nine, he's told the story. Now he's explaining the story and what it means, verse nine. And I tell them, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth. This is interesting. He calls wealth unrighteous. He's not saying, you know, use money in an unrighteous way to gain friends. That's not what he says. He says, I tell you, make friends for yourself. And and, and he calls money unrighteousness or, or wealth unrighteous, verse seven, so that when it fails, So when your wealth fails, circle that phrase in your Bible if you have it, because that's an important uh, principle. When money fails, because it will fail you. Money will not bring you happiness. You know, your 401k is not going to make you feel at peace. You know, taking your family on another vacation is not going to bring them ultimate happiness. Money will fail you no matter how much you accumulate, so that when it fails, they may receive you into eternal dwellings. Verse 10 one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much and one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much if then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth who will entrust you to true riches great question circle that true riches and if you would have and if you have not been faithful in that which is another's who will give you that which is your own In other words, if you're not faithful managing things that don't belong to you, how will God give us things that truly will belong to us in the afterlife? Verse 13, no servant can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can not, can not, you can not serve God and money. Now, there are a lot of principles that I want to gain today, but when we think about stewardship, one of the problems with us, especially as Americans, is that Becoming a bad steward started way back when we were when we were kids. Remember this? Uh, as a kid, uh, I would ask my parents for some money so that I could ride my bike to the gas station, the local UDF, and I was going to go get some Suzy Qs and some some ho hos and, and, and a Coke, and that's that was my you know uh, summer trip. And I would go with that money get get my my, my junk food, and then I, I would take some of that change, and I would go to the the little arcade that they had there. Now. Mario Brothers is my jam, FYI. And like back then, we didn't have the Nintendo. We didn't have a, a PlayStation at home. So you had to go to the arcade. And so in this place, they had Mario Brothers. And so I would, I would spend whatever time I could there uh, uh, playing that game. And then I, I'd take whatever money was left. I'd go home, I'd put it in a jar, and I would put it under my bed. And my parents, they wouldn't say, hey, where's my change? Until like a day or two later, you know that? When they, they just kind of forget, they're just happy you're not bothering them. And then <laughs> and then they're like, hey, well, where's my change? You know, and if it was a 20 or 10, you know, maybe, you know, they, they were a little bit more animated, but where, where, where's my change at? And it's like, oh, I, I don't, I, you know, it's like. Stewardship problems start when we are a kid. And so if you have money problems today, here's what you should do. You should just go home today and blame your parents. Question, you know, it is solve just blame them for everything. No, we can't do that. But you can see how we start bad stewardship even as a kid. And so with many lessons that we could grasp today from chapter 16, I want to pull out five lessons that, that, that I want to challenge you with and encourage you with. And so if you're taking notes, number one is that God owns everything you have. And you're a manager of it. You're a manager. That's what we call a steward. A manager, a steward is someone who takes care of the resources that belong to someone else. And one of the most basic principles of Christianity as, as a follower of Christ is that God owns everything that we have. And we are simply managing what he has given to us. Now, this is, this is huge. God has given you your life, Right? God has given you your next breath. He gives you the the ability to have a brain, which allows you to have a job and to function in this world. Like everything that you have is truly a gift from the Lord. Psalm 24 one says, the earth is the Lord's. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it belongs to him. The world and all its people belong to him. Like everything belongs to God. So your family, is a result of God's provision in your life. Your job, the money that you make has all been given to you by God. And so we are managers of the things that he has given to us. The second principle today is that every manager's service will one day come to an end. In verse verse 2, the manager appointed a day for this man's job to end, And he calls him to account for the way in which he's been managing the master's wealth. And you and I, too, will one day have to give an account for the manner in which, the way in which we handled God's resources. And so what did you do with what I gave you? Will be a question I believe we'll have to wrestle with on our day in court before the Lord. What did you do with what I gave you? What did you do at the time that I gave you it was a gift from God, the time that I gave to you, how long you lived. Every single one of us have 24 hours, the same amount of time, each and every day. God has marked out the number of days we will live. It's a gift from Him. What did you do with that? What did you do with that time? What did you do with your talents? and what did you do with the resources that I gave you? One day, because we're managers, we're going to be held accountable, just like the manager in this parable. Thirdly, I think Jesus's uh, point here is that he wants us to use money and not let money use us. So the, the, the encouragement for you is to, yes, use money as a tool. Don't let it use you. Use money as a tool because, because if you don't, it will use you. Think about it. You let that you know impulse that materialistic impulse that you have to have you know that house or you have to have you know this whatever, and you swipe the credit card and and uh you know now all of a sudden you you, you maybe have been living twenty years without debt, but now all of a sudden now you have debt and 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 now that pressure of that debt is upon your shoulders and 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 so the reality becomes th- this like you go to work, not so that you can put your kids th- through college, you go to work so that you can you know, live for Visa so you can pay MasterCard. You're, you're working for Visa. You're working for MasterCard now. And that's a very frustrating place to be. It's a, it's a very upsetting place to be. But there is hope. Jesus would say, use money as a tool. And so in the parable, in verse 9, the, the man has taken you know, all of these debts. And so he, this guy owes 100, you give me 50. You owe 100, we'll, we'll give 80. And just when you think that the master is going to condemn him, he applauds him. He says, well done. Why does he applaud him for that? Well, the reality is this man used what little time he had left to influence and, and, and to leverage his leadership so that, so that he would use what time and resources he had left for his master's good. And it's the same thing that you and I must do is I think Jesus's point here is to be strategic about how you steward your money after you know he's fired uh, he you know he wouldn't be able to work anymore he wouldn't have that leverage anymore but he used those final days of service to win friends who who could take him into his home one day so hey remember the discount i gave, got, got you a few weeks ago that's great man so can you hook a brother up with a with a couch in the basement for a while cuz i don't have a job and and jesus says well done man well, good job we using using that uh, uh, that time that resource to gain friends now who are the friends that he speaks of these these friends that will welcome us in these eternal in this eternal dwelling place well i think the point is that our friends who welcome us are the believers in heaven who are in heaven as a result of our ministry think about it if you are a good manager of your time your talents and your treasures you are investing money and time and energy into the gospel into the kingdom of god which impacts other people's lives. So they hear the gospel, the Holy Spirit changes them, they die, they go to heaven. So that then later on, as we go to heaven as a result of our faith, they welcome us in this eternal dwelling place and they thank us for our investment. This is vital. Use your money as a tool or it will use you. See, you and I have to have the foresight to use money and and understand that that there is an eternal good at stake here because one day money will be useless. God wants us to know that when we surrender our money to him, when we invest our money into his kingdom, it lasts forever. Here's the fourth principle. Verse 10 teaches us to be trustworthy with a little. Look at it again. I, I love this phrase. You're probably familiar with this, but he says, one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. I mean, this is a a powerful principle that that teaches us to be faithful with whatever God has given you today. You might think it's just a little bit. It's not that big a deal. When I give, it doesn't make that big a difference, but oh, it does. Because the the reality is this blows up the if only argument that sometimes we play. If only I made more money, then I would give to the church. If only I had more money, then I would be more generous. No, you wouldn't. The question is not, what would I do with the million dollars? The question is, what am I doing with $100? Because that reveals who we are. That reveals what kind of manager and what kind of steward we are. So no matter what, you know, how much time you think you have left in this world or how much talent you think you have, I don't have as much as this guy or that girl or whatever. Whatever God has given you financially, talent-wise, use it for the kingdom of God. Use it and be trustworthy in a little and he says, if you're faithful with little, God will entrust you with true riches. In verse 11, true riches. So the question then is, what are true riches? If I'm faithful with a little, God's going to give me, you know, that, 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 those true riches, which is that, that new, brand new expensive car, right? Or, or that brand new job that's going to double my salary or, or that vacation home on the beach, right? I mean, that's the true ri- It's not true riches. True riches are the things that are valuable to God. And what's valuable to God is eternity. And what's in eternity are people. And so that which lasts forever are people. We're, we're meant to live forever somewhere. And so God knows. His, his, his point here is, is how you leverage your time, talent, and your money here. And how you invest that into the gospel impacts other people. And because they meet, meet Jesus, they're saved. They're in heaven. And that's that true riches. And, and, and when we get to heaven, we will be rewarded with more based on how many people we've influenced. We've got to understand that. And so, so our mentality is we've got to move out of this, you know, this is my only life, and, and realize that this is the test. We've been given the test now, and, and, and we're preparing for eternity as followers of Christ. Verse 13 makes it very clear. You cannot serve God and money. In other words, you can't prioritize God and prioritize making money for yourself. I mean, you, you gotta come to the reality that, okay, save for retirement, but at some point, when does that retirement fund become hoarding and greedy? But as followers of Christ, we're, we're not called to hoard all this money and, and give it as an inheritance. God blesses us so that we can bless other people and individually we have to seek God's will for our life. And God's word is very clear on what we should do. And so our job as followers of Christ is to figure out what the owner wants us to do with his money. And if you're thinking that way, if you're preparing your heart in that way, then you're on your way to financial good shape. Now, consequences are a big thing in our family. You know, If you don't pick up your room. If you don't do what we ask you to do as a mom and dad, you know we're going to give consequences. And, and I think kids learn from consequences, and I think adults learn from consequences. But the thing about money is that, uh, uh, especially just stewardship in general, is we don't always see immediate consequences. Sometimes they don't hit us until weeks or months after we make a financial decision. I mean, if what happened to Pinocchio happened to us when we made a bad financial decision, we'd stop being dumb, wouldn't we? You know, swipe the credit card. This is going to be so awesome. Swipe and our nose grows. Oh, I'm going to return it. Right? I don't want to do this anymore. But it just doesn't happen that way. And, and so, how we hunt, handle money is, is different. But the truth is, some of us have spent so much time and energy building up our kingdom building up uh, just material possessions here on earth. And we spent very little time thinking about our eternal investment. And I hope this series begins to change that in your life. I think it's that important. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 112. I love uh, how the psalmist says it, Psalm 5 and six. It says, it is well with the man who deals generously and lends. We sang a song moments ago, it is well with my soul. It goes well. It is well with your soul if you are a man that deals generously in this life. If you live stingily, I think I just made up a word, stingily. If you live selfishly, I think that's a better choice of words. If you're living to build up your kingdom, you're not living a generous life. Perhaps it's not going so well for you today. He says, who conducts his affairs with justice As a businessman, are you conducting your affairs justly? Are you ripping people off? If you're stealing under the table, if if, if you're dishonest with the percentages, he says it's going to go well with you if you are a generous person and if you are a just person. He says in verse 6 For the righteous will never be shaken or moved. In other words, when life throws a storm your way, If you live with justice, you are living your life in in, in a generous manner. When life throws something, you know, really difficult your way, you're not going to be shaken out of your identity. You're not going to be moved out of who you are in Christ. Your foundation is solid and firm. Live generously. uh, uh, Lend. Conduct your affairs with justice and you won't be moved. And he says, he will be remembered forever. I mean, that's the hope, isn't it? I mean, that's the key. Like, I want to give to something that outlives me. I want to live my life in such a way that I am living generously with my time and my talents and my money so that my life will outlive me. And the only way I can do that is if I'm investing that into the kingdom of God and seeing lives around me transformed, living, so that my life outlives me. So if you're taking notes, here's the bottom line for today. Here's the reality, what I want you to wrestle with today, and then it's this. The goal is not for us to live on earth forever. It's to live for something that does. What lives forever? You know, we, we spend so much time and energy focusing on our kingdom in this place where we're not going to be very long. You know, more houses and more money and cars and more clothes and debt, just begins to accumulate. We've got to have this and got to have this, and we're not finding contentment. And well, The reality is we're living just for this moment. You've got to realize that, that the goal is not to live on earth forever. It's to invest in something that does. And what lives forever are people in the kingdom of God. And that has to be on your radar today. So, so here's your challenge for today. Um, we're going to give you several things throughout this series. I'm not going to ask you to give or do anything today. I will at the end of this series. I want to challenge you with that. But but right now, I want you to, to, to be challenged with this. Go home and, and begin to determine with your spouse if you're married or on your own. If, if you're single, go home and pull up your account online, and your, your bank account. Look at your retirement fund. Look, look at how much you're saving in your emergency funds. Look at you know, where you're giving, you know, look at your percentage to uh, uh, what you gave to FC, look at, you know, what you're, you're putting back for your retirement, look at your debt to income ratio. Figure up all of these numbers and get an honest picture of where you are at financially so that then you can determine if you need to reshape your attitude towards your resources. Because at the end of the day, you can say you love God, you can say you love the church, you can say you're for the Lord all day long. You go home and you add up the numbers and the percentages just won't lie. So that's my challenge too. You could go home and forget I ever said anything today. You, can, you could go home and pretend that this didn't just happen, right? You can go eat lunch, smile and laugh and not talk about it for the rest of the week if you so choose. But wouldn't it be awesome if you finally, if you finally began to embrace the life that God is calling you to live. We're also offering a class called Financial Peace. You've probably heard of Dave Ramsey. It starts February 27th, 630. This is a course that's not just for people that are going into debt. It's for people that really wanna dive in deeper to to what it means to steward their money well and and not only to get out of debt, but but how to save and and prepare for their future. So I encourage you to consider uh, attending that when it starts and, and diving into that. I believe this series as, as, as awkward as it is sometimes for a pastor to talk about money and, and, and for us to dive into numbers on a, a church setting, I think it's one of the most powerful ways that you will grow as a follower of Christ if you begin to submit yourself to God's will as it relates to your resources. Because where your money goes, your heart flows. And, and so uh, next week we're going to talk about materialism and how uh, it, it has crept into American culture so deeply that its tentacles are changing how we think and live our life. And, and we'll talk about some ways to overcome that. We'll talk about how to overcome uh, debt. We'll talk about what does God really want us to give to his church and how do we set ourselves up For future blessing. And we're going to cover all of that. So do not miss, even though the weather is going to evidently be beautiful outside. So let me pray for you. God, we thank you for your truth. And I thank you that, that God, every area of our life is important as it relates to our faith. And so when we look at our finances, when we look at, you know, becoming an intentional manager of what you've given to us, it's it's not easy. Um, And Lord, we need some tools. We need some ways to actually get out of debt and become generous and live the life that you you want us to live and and so God I pray that our people would take advantage of Uh, courses that we're taking, the the things that we're teaching and ways for them to do this, because I know it will lead to peace. I know, God, it will lead to to happiness and and blessing in their life and and truly embracing all that you've called us to do. And so, Lord, I pray you'll take this message, uh, may it grow in our heart, may we talk about this, and may we truly get excited about making some changes financially so that we can honor you with our life. We pray this in Jesus' name.